0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Uh, today, uh, we have a very special guest, Nitsan Joy Gordon. How are you doing?
1: Great. It's wonderful to be here and to see you and to just take part in this. I'm really excited.
0: Thank you so much for agreeing to this interview. So, Nitsan Joy Gordon, you are a therapist, a peace activist, and an author. And uh, you are the founder and director of Together Beyond Words. Uh, and you also have a book about some of those experiences. Uh, your book's title is Toge- Together Beyond Words, Women on a Quest for Peace in the Middle East. Um, <laughs> what is that all about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. I um, the book has three parts. The first part is about how... I began doing this work, what m- my background, where I started, what made me even interested in peace building. And if you want, I can say a little bit about it. I mean, I am mm. i was born on a border kibbutz in Israel about a kilometer from the border with Jordan. And uh, during the 67 war, it, it was very scary. It was very scary most of the time. Uh, But during the 67 war, there was actually bombing of our houses and um, our kibbutz. And some of my friends' fathers were killed. And yeah, and my father was the commander of the kibbutz. And I was just a little girl in the underground shelter and uh, just not sure what was going on, and then one day we got to get out of the shelter into the sunlight, and here's um just my i, I had my father coming to visit me to see how I'm doing because my mother wasn't with me; she was in another underground shelter with my younger brother, and she came to see how I was doing and. He came, and he said to me, um, what's going on? Are you okay? And I said, Daddy, why are they shooting at us? Why are the Arabs shooting at us? Are they bad people? And in the middle of the war, uh, in the middle of fighting for our lives, he said, no. No, they're not bad people. There are bad people. Arabs, just as there are bad Jews. Uh, And the ones who are bad are trying to shoot us and kill us. But there's good people on both sides. And people like us want to live in peace. So this is like me at seven years old hearing this and feeling, okay, the world is much more complex than i thought
0: that is very moving and that is also very wise from from your father to to tell a 7 year old that and having that perspective because a lot of people and we see it today and uh, not just in, in this conflict just everywhere in the united states currently too with like polarization and it's like it's a, an either or approach you're either with us or you're against us like uh george w bush used to say or you have to like completely accept our point of view and we are correct and they are wrong and and we lose sight of of the common ground because we're focusing so much on the differences and as as you're saying. Uh, there are people who are driving that narrative, and they are often more extreme in their views. And there are bad people, and like you, like you, that said, on either side, we tend to overlook that. You would think, like, oh no, my side is correct. My side is all good and we lose the humanity there, I think. Now, what I find fascinating is, again, just together beyond words, uh, because your approach is not here, let's uh, talk about ideology, or who's right, or who's wrong, and let's debate it or discuss it. You have a completely different approach to that, which I find fascinating.
1: Yes, yes. but we're um to make a long story short i mean if you want to read the whole thing you can read my book but i had a really um really how should i call it painful experience with prejudice when i was 12 years old and we lived in the united states and i think that was another thing that drove me to want to do something against prejudices and to connect between people and so one of the things that really helped me in the years that I was experiencing prejudice as the only Jew in my junior high school uh, was that um, I started to dance Mm -hmm. and dancing was like I could express myself I could express my joy I could express my pain I could just wow, it was just such a, a, a such a powerful experience of being whole. And so afterwards, I started dance therapy, and I decided to try to see how an approach that would include body and movement were, that would go beyond words. Why? Because... Um, When we use just words, we can say what we really feel, but we can also manipulate and we can lie and we can um, say what we think the other person wants to hear and we can hide our feelings and put up walls, Mm -hmm. but the body is much more open And the feelings are right there. When you start moving, they come up. And then people we after we move together, we teach people um, a type of listening that we call listening partnerships, where one listens and the other um, speaks. And the listening is without judgment without um, asking questions, just for your own curiosity, without telling the person what they think, what you think they should do, Mm -hmm. just being there. So the feelings come up in the movement, and then there is a way to release them when when the partners, Arabs and Jews listen to one another. And when people begin to hear each other's stories and lives, they begin to care. Their hearts open, and from there, the road is open to working on the issues of conflict and working together to bring about change. Mm-hmm. So that's just a uh, short. <laughs>
0: yeah. And w- one of the uh, the things that when just growing up that uh, really like, startled me is that people lie. <laughs> and so I-, I-, I personally found that shocking because I was like, w- I believe people when they say things. And it is very common that people lie, but the body does not. And so one of the things that uh, I've looked at is um, even shows like Lie to Me uh, um, about nonverbal communication, how your body leaks information that shows that this is actually not true. This is not how you're feeling, which I found like quite um, fascinating and also a bit disappointing when you, you know, you have a job meeting and they say certain things and you realize, oh, you're just lying to us. I just noted it through your body movements and your body language. But uh, I think that that kind of like connecting on that level would uh, would take away that, uh, because words, as you say, have the power to manipulate and destroy, but also to heal and connect. But the word needs to connect with your body and with your heart and so on. And a lot of people, it's that's not the case, right? We
1: find well, it's not that they that they that deep inside they don't want to be open and truthful, mm-hmm. but they've been hurt. <laughs> and so they're they're protecting themselves in certain ways by not speaking the whole truth because they don't want to be heard again or by doing things. The, the bottom line of our work is that pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've been hurt in your life and if you've experienced difficulties and you have not done the work on them, then you will take it outward on, on other people, on yourself, on the earth, on the planet. And so what we're seeing around around us here in the Middle East and everywhere, is people acting out their pain. <laughs> and so it looks like they're lying and they are, but actually it doesn't come from a good place inside them
0: no it does not and uh, uh, although some are intentionally and trying to do that there is always that that small percentage of course but the majority of us i i completely agree with that and um i like how we have the option of transforming pain and that's been something that i've i've talked about a lot in my podcast of like Taking something that is painful and suffering and so on, and turning it into gold, of turning of healing from it, of um also healing ancient wounds and wounds, age old wounds. so you know, if uh, again, the conflict has been going on for such a long time. But what what startles me again and what surprises me is where the approach is always the same and it's not working and it's still the same. So I love it that you are uh, having a different approach. And I, in my view, a much more effective approach. And it's led by by women, which also I find very fascinating. Good for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. You know, what we say here is, uh, this is a research that uh, happened maybe 23 years ago uh, by um, Shelley Taylor in UCLA. Mm -hmm. And she found that women have, uh, during times of stress and tension, we have uh, an additional response to freeze, fight and flight. You've probably heard of it. Mm -hmm. Tend and befriend. So women can tend and befriend when or, or that's what we tend to do when or want to do when we're, when we're stressed, we want to talk about it, we want to connect to other people. And so we have an ability to work across political lines, across conflict lines that's inbuilt. It's in our DNA in a way, because we needed it back then. When we developed as women, and, and millions or thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago, we needed that, mm-hmm. and so uh, we're happy to be able to use that way, or maybe "use" is not the right word. Mm-hmm. Utilize uh...
0: it, maybe in different ways, and and the, the the it goes both ways again because when we look at at as as males. And so uh, you're, you, we don't have that often, you know, as males, of openly talking about things. And if you do, you're an anomaly because, you know, <laughs> I don't do that. But there's also the perception that others will have of you, both men and women. So the the tough person, they get things done, in quotation marks, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the impression we get. And that's why we, we move towards... People who present a tough uh, uh, persona because we think they can handle conflict and we don't take the path of, of empathy, of connecting and so on. So it's it's a very deep I- issue that we need to really deal with as a, as a society and as people of seeing like uh, that is just a, a show. That's a persona that is projected and it's not helpful. In fact, it makes things much worse in many cases.
1: hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think men have this ability too mm-hmm. but from a very young age they've been taught and they've been told to shut down to not to cry not to show your feelings it's not okay to to be to, to, to feel everything you feel, to feel what is yours to feel. It's mm-hmm. not okay for a man. It's mm-hmm. so and so they go through this kind of a disconnect yeah. from a very young age, mm-hmm. which is very sad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and, uh, since 2014, there have been men in our groups. Mm-hmm. and so we're helping them reconnect. With their hearts
0: i'm very glad to hear that i'm very glad to hear that because um, um one of my experiences too there was a, a a demonstration once years ago and uh of women and so against uh rape and violence against women and i i was i really wanted to join it but then i said you cannot join and i said why <laughs> Because I am supporting you. So, so that kind of openness, once once you do that, would be really helpful to, to, to spread. And I think that's what we also get into, like different camps and different like religions and different like uh, ethnic backgrounds or ideologies. And I don't like any of that. And uh, I, I think it's like really like opening up and it's like, let's see what we have in common, our humanity. And are a drive for peace because neither side wants, really wants conflict. It just, you know you get entrenched in it right and so so um what is specifically do you do so apart from dance i think that i read about the healing touch that found uh, i find that interesting a radical aliveness was one of the things that's mentioned uh, i'd like to know how 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 you how you do those and how that can help people overcome their their pain and trauma and the, this being stuck in a place
1: okay um... I'll I'll tell you in a minute, this is from Radical Aliveness. Now I'm speaking from, which was um, uh, developed by Anne Bradney. And she has been working with us for several years. And one day we held a workshop in an Arab village for both women and men. And um, one man there just began sobbing. For for some reason, I don't remember why. Um, He was working on something, relationship with his mother or father or something, and he began sobbing. And as soon as the women saw him sobbing, they started crying. And one woman said, I so wish my father and my brother would be able to cry like that. Mm -hmm. That would be so healing for me to see that. And so that's just a side note about working with men and how healing it can be for women to see men open up and share.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what we do, yeah, um, yes, we have we use radical aliveness, which I can tell you about more. Internal family systems, IFS, playback theater, and the dance movement therapy and the healing touch, and each one is a whole world. You know, of itself, and I can talk about it for an hour or more.
0: <laughs> but I, 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 healing touch sounds sounds very interesting because I, in in especially our world or like in the Western parts we we often tend to avoid any kind of touch right so whereas like other cultures are more like we call touchy feely and uh, they like the physical contact we're we're kind of scared and it's it's actually i think gotten worse because then you're afraid of like i don't want to inappropriately touch you or you have that that kind of sphere that that has to be respected and uh, yeah. what do you do to to overcome that and to connect? Because I think that is important. We don't have enough touch in our regular day-to-day life here, especially in, in, in Western places.
1: Yes, and touch is crucial, mm-hmm. crucial for connection. And for even some people say for survival, mm-hmm. that babies who are not touched can die. It's very important. So, um, yeah, it's so sad what's happened to the possibility to touch other people in a way that's uh, respectful, <laughs> that's not that's con- with consensual and that's uh, loving and caring. Uh, it has almost disappeared in the United States. I I feel, And that's really sad. And I think we need to find our way back to being able to touch each other in a way that uh, feels right to every person. Mm -hmm. Um, What we do, we started with women. So there wasn't so much that kind of issue, that discomfort. Women who work all day long and just not only outside the house but they come home and it's their second job and to be nurtured is so meaningful for them so we just ask them one of them lies on the mat and the other sits next to her and puts her hands on her back or shoulders and just gently uh, massages them And the women say they could just lie there for two hours and just be touched. Sometimes we do hand massages or foot massages. It's just so um, healing. And it's also an opportunity to listen, to really listen. What, What do I want? What feels good to my body? What does she, what is, what is my body telling me that she needs right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and to ask for what we need, which sometimes we have a hard time doing as women, so that's mm-hmm. that's
0: true too. That is true. <laughs> I, I think also like touch. When we say touching, something is touching. It uh, it moves us, right? So emotionally. So we see that connection there. Of that that is that is so important. And my my wife is a nurse, and she compares like uh, she's from Mexico, and so in in Mexico it's it's quite all right to touch the the patients and to do, you know make them feel better. Whereas in Canada that's not the case, and they might they often get offended. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to touch me? And And I think um, we're often so much on the defensive. It's that kind of mindset, like you're trying to protect yourself, which comes from trauma, which comes from all these experiences that we've had. But um, I always say, like, instead of like reacting, let's respond to people. Let's not just immediately burst out in anger and be on the defensive, but let's just relax and try to listen what the other person is saying and try to respond to them in a a more, as you say, respectful, but I'd say more also like affectionate way and with empathy and to kind of take that initial response that we might have, like, oh, you're trying to uh, attack me or your words are trying to hurt me and so on and just kind of take a step back and it's like, just relax and kind of communicate on a a deeper level with people. And I find that's missing, uh, especially nowadays
1: yeah usually when I approach a person, I um to and want to touch I I, I say is, is it okay that I put my hands on your shoulders right now would that feel okay? Can you let me know if something doesn't feel right and if it's too strong if it's too you know I I, I really um, Because people who've been traumatized have issues with touch for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just approach it slowly and keep talking and asking for permission to move in closer. And that's what I teach the women to do. Mm -hmm. So...
0: That's a wonderful way of, again, we we don't want to, sometimes we're also very passionate, I myself, and like you don't want to be too enthusiastic, but also respect that uh, others uh, have their own needs and to go at their rhythm as well. And one thing I'm I'm a bit curious, too, is your experience in the in the United States of uh, your your high school experience, because that kind of struck a chord with me because I, I was born in Iran and I grew up in Germany and I was basically the only the only foreigner there. And uh, it, it, it wasn't a very good feeling uh, often, too, and with certain comments and so on, because you do stand out. Um, I'd like to know your experience a bit too. Of um, uh, how did that feel—the good and the bad, perhaps.
1: Um, the most, uh, the best part about it is, first, the United States where I lived was beautiful, mm-hmm. and um, I learned English, which has been so important in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hard part is that we lived, we were the only Jewish family on Signal Mountain. Um, and there were no uh, Afro-Americans, Blacks, I don't know what the right term to use is, but the because if any Black family would want to move up the mountain, which was above uh, Chattanooga, they would burn their house. So that was the kind of atmosphere during that time. And I didn't realize, I mean, I came from a place where everybody's Jewish was Jewish and I didn't realize that it was such a big different, you know, this was so different. And also I was really shy. So I would come into the cafeteria, out, of the, out the line of the cafeteria and looking for a place to sit. And um, pr- I'm thinking to myself, probably no one wants to sit next to me. So I'm going to the table of all the misfits. And next to that table were the bullies. And each time they would pick on someone and it was my turn to get picked on, they would say, look at that dirty Jew, look how she eats. And they would throw food at me. And sometimes they would follow me on the way home and throw rocks. And so it was that kind of um, everyday tension, what was going to happen today. And I didn't tell my parents until one day in history class when two um people who were sitting next to me whispered in my ear while the teacher was talking about the Holocaust. They whispered that it's too bad I didn't die in the Holocaust. And that, um, you know, they kept saying, I wish you were murdered too. I wish you would have died. I wish you were gassed. I wish, and you know, too bad And, 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 I just, at some point, I couldn't hear it anymore. And I just stood up and I screamed, enough! Mm -hmm. And I just ran out the room and I ran all the way home, which was a couple of kilometers. I don't know how far it was. And that night I told my parents about what was happening and had been happening for like almost two years. and, And the next day my father came to the class. And he stood in front of the class. I didn't know what he was going to do. And what he did was he told two stories from the Holocaust, stories of courage. And then he looked at the class and he thanked them for listening and he walked out. Oh
0: my God. Mm -hmm.
1: And then something shifted, something changed. And I, I, uh, I was started to be treated a bit differently. I felt less, um, you know, less of a misfit. I was more accepted in some way. Or maybe I changed inside. I don't know.
0: I think it's both. Absolutely. I mean, my my was was pleasant in comparison, my experience, but it still was not was not easy, um, growing up in Germany as a, as a foreign, especially in Nuremberg, uh, which is more more traditional where I was, and so I would have a, a, a moments where people would not hold the door, but actually slam it when I'm coming because they see me, and so that kind of perception and um and also various comments, as as you're saying in class, not not as uh, Vicious, I would say, as has as been your experience, but hurtful comments as well. But um, like like you said, I tried not to take it in a very personal way and to, to go beyond that, beyond words again. And what happened is that a lot of these 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 people who made those hurtful comments became my friends afterwards. And we were good friends, but they still continued saying those things. And they say, we don't mean you, we mean all the other <laughs> foreigners. It's like, well, you know, but if you walk around, there are my, you will see my brothers, you say the same thing about them or my, my parents. And so at least, you know, we try to make a dent in their, their armor that they've created in their entrenchment and in, in their camp. And exactly, I think that is the, 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 the best, it's the most difficult response. It's very hard to overcome it. But then I I think of Viktor Frankl, and I think, how could someone who has experienced such atrocities about the the worst of the worst of human nature and come up with the most beautiful theory about human nature? And I find that is, speaking about transforming pain and suffering, to me, that is the the highest uh, thing you can achieve uh, in life and though that's it's uh, too high for many of us and we we need to be human (laughs) uh, we're we're not angels or saints but i think just to try from both sides again i think just to try to reach out and see what the response is and try to bridge differences whatever they are and not change you don't have to change your point of view about it or your ideology but it's like to connect on a human level this is what you think, and this is what I think, and we we might disagree, and that's okay, you know. That kind of environment, and just to mention also, I think it's just it's, it's ignorance because you people don't have contact with people from the other group, and they have all these I, preconceived notions and ideas. And to engage more, like you do in your case, again, I it's uh, it's it's a wonderful initiative of like. Let's see what we have in common, and let's forget about those uh, ideological tensions and differences, and let's let's connect on a much more uh, deeper level. I think.
1: Well, actually, I find that after uh, we connect as human beings, as mothers, as wives, as men to men, and then we can bring up the conflict. Mm-hmm. And because people have now care about each other because they heard each about each other's lives and stories and struggles and challenges and joys and everything, they, they care. And so when the issues of the conflict are brought up, then they can hear things that they would not have been willing to hear before and they 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 react differently because they care about this person and they care about their suffering and it's it's and they want to help them that's 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 what happens i mean people in our group sometimes get really angry they scream they shout they they don't try to be nice but because we created a space where they really care about each other, then there's room for that. Yes,
0: yes. And, and, and that's the thing with a lot of discussions too, because you want to be civil and respectful, you avoid those uncomfortable moments and conversations. And I think that's exactly where the we, we need to go. We need to have these discussions and we need to feel uncomfortable. That's not a bad thing because that is the sign towards growth. We, we have our entrenchment, our comfort zones. We need to really step out and, and go into places that we will be vulnerable and that are not easy, those easy conversations. It took me a lot of time to, to realize that, but it's, again, to step out and to connect and to take the initiative, uh, like you did uh, with your organization. You did uh, various years ago, though. That, is that correct?
1: Yeah, we started in, um, I started before that on my own, but I uh, we started our first group
0: in 1995. Wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so your book again, just to go back to your book, we, it, uh, rec- uh, it recounts the experiences you've had, both from your your childhood and the experiences you you mentioned here briefly here, as well as the work you've done and the change you've seen in in various people who have joined these groups. Is that correct?
1: Yes, exactly. It's called, it's it's a book of stories. Mm. Oh, it's a book of, of stories, and it's uh, stories about how my childhood and how I became interested in this work. Mm. And then it's stories about what it is that we do and how, each, how we learned each piece of it, because as you say, the healing touch, the listening partnerships, the dance and movement, the playback, the everything. And then the last part of the book is just incredible stories from workshops. What actually happens there? Moments that were just so powerful and moving that I had to write about them.
0: Oh, thank you so much for sharing these uh, these wonderful initiatives, ideas, insights, experiences, as well painful experiences too. But again. That, that really opens it up and many people will resonate with that uh, because we always need the first one to, to, to step out and do something and we can relate to that and, and opening up. And I think that is, in a world that is so like polarized, we need to open up more. And thank you for all the wonderful work you've been doing throughout. And uh, you do have a, a website as well, Together Beyond Words. Um, it's www
1: wBeyondWords.org.il.
0: Great, so so people can can find out more about it, and uh, of course your your book. Thank you so much for being on Arash's World. Well. It's been such a pleasure.
1: For me too. Thank you.
0: Take care.